Okay, so we'll call the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission meeting to order. Um, I do want to note also that, um, that the clock is 15 minutes off and apparently at about two o'clock on the way the clock is right now, it's gonna automatically change to the correct time, I've been told. So in case everybody's wondering what's going on or if they fell asleep, uh, that's, you know, there's something that's gonna happen magically apparently. So could we have the roll call please? President Paulson? Here. Vice President Rivera? Here. Commissioner Jami? Here. Commissioner Maxwell? Here. Commissioner Stacy? Here. We have a quorum? Okay, I would like to announce that the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission acknowledges that it owns and are stewards of the unceded lands located within the ethno-historic territory of the Muwekwa Ohlone tribe and other familiar descendants of the historically federally recognized Mission San Jose Verona Band of Alameda County. The SFPUC also recognizes that every citizen residing within the greater Bay Area has and continues to benefit from the use and the occupation of the Muwekwa Ohlone tribe's aboriginal lands since before and after the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission's founding in 1932. It is vitally important that we not only recognize the history of the tribal lands on which we reside, but also we acknowledge and honor the fact that the Muwekwa Ohlone people have established a working partnership with the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission and our productive and flourishing members with the many greater San Francisco Bay Area communities today. So, first item please. Item number three, approval of the minutes of October 24th, 2023. Are there any corrections or to these minutes? Seeing none, um, we will open public comment. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on item number three? Seeing none, public comment on item three is closed. Okay, can I um, entertain a motion and second to approve the minutes of October 24th? Move to approve. Moved and second. Can we have a roll call, please? President Paulson? Aye. Vice President Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Jami? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. And you have five ayes. Okay, next uh, item is general public comment. Item number four is general public comment. Members of the public may um, address the commission with items, uh, comment on items that are not on today's agenda. Seeing we have no members of the public present to provide general public comment, item four is closed. Okay, so we will have the report of the general manager discussion. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, item 5A is an annual policy and government uh, affairs update. Emily Lamb will be presenting. Good afternoon, commissioners. My name is Emily Lamb, and I am the Deputy Assistant General Manager for External Affairs, providing you the uh, annual Policy and Government Affairs update. So the Policy and Government Affairs team works with staff across the agency to advance SFPUC's policies and legislative agenda. And I wanna start by recognizing my team um, who are here today, uh, Jenny Olivares-Reyes, uh, Rebecca Peacock, Scott Amon, Maisha Everhart, and Jeremy Spitz. Uh, they thank you for your dedication and hard work. They uh, really try to be responsive to the whole agency, so I'm very proud of them and 
they're happy to be here today. Um, I also want to thank our legislative liaisons from each enterprise, Allison Castama from Water, Mallory Albright from Power, Emma Mack and Matthew Ahn from Wastewater. Uh, we greatly appreciate their help and partnership throughout the year. And finally, I want to thank our state lobbyists for their work representing us in Sacramento and our federal lobbyists for their work in DC. Um, commissioners, in your meeting materials, you have a written memo uh, summarizing our activities this past year. And today, I just want to take a few minutes to highlight uh, some items from it. So at the local level, we secured approval for 27 legislative items at the Board of Supervisors and handled over 100 constituent requests from elected officials. One of our top priorities this year was supporting the communications and finance teams with the water and wastewater rates package. PJ helped facilitate discussions with our local elected leaders so that we could hear their feedback and address their questions. We are proud of the work we did to get help to get help to help get the rates approved so that the agency continues to have the revenue it needs to function. At the state level, PGA convened and led a successful statewide coalition between utilities and environmental justice groups for an extension of the state's arrearage payment program, which released an additional 600 million to utilities across the state for customer arrears and reimbursing utilities for low-income customer assistance programs. We believe this money will directly help tens of thousands of customers across the state avoid shutoffs. I am particularly proud of this legislative win because it is a concrete and impactful embodiment of our agency's belief that water is a human right. We are now working with SFPUC's finance and customer service teams to ensure our ratepayers receive the maximum amount possible. The SFPUC is currently expecting to receive $22 million from this round of funding in addition to the about 16 million we received in the last. So very impactful money. Overall we, overall, we screened for thousands of bills for their impact to our agency. And with the enterprises narrowed it down to tracking about and analyzing 200 bills. We then engaged on those with the highest impact to our agency, including several that would have significantly, significantly impacted SFPUC's water rights. And in particular, there were four water rights bills that PGA worked extensively on to offer amendments, trying to work towards the stated goals of the bills while mitigating negative or unintended consequences on our operations. Two of the bills were removed from the policy committees by their authors, while the other two passed the legislature after we worked extensively with the authors on amendments that were accepted. Given the continued interest in water rights legislation, PGA will continue to work closely with the water enterprise to come to the table in good faith with policymakers to educate and advise them on how these bills affect our water rights. At the federal level, we continue to focus on improving opportunities for infrastructure funding. The State Revolving Fund, or SRF, which we heavily rely on, received historic funding from the bipartisan infrastructure law. Unfortunately, because of the way the money is appropriated, California on the clean water side has not seen an increase in the dollar amounts or number of projects funded. Additionally, the House Republicans proposed deep cuts to both the clean water and drinking water SRF by 2.5 billion, from 2.5 billion to less than 100 million annually. So we are vigorously opposing these cuts and working closely with our federal delegation to improve the program. As we look towards the next year, the team's priorities will continue to be funding through our traditional programs such as SRF, while looking for new opportunities from both the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and Inflation Reduction Act. 
Lastly, I want to mention that we have started working with Senator Padilla's office on improving and expanding the Low Income Household Water Assistance Program, or LIWAP. Our advocacy helped start the program a few years ago, and given the ongoing need of low-income customers beyond the COVID emergency, we are looking forward to working with them to establish a permanent program. So thank you, and I'd be happy to take any questions. It's for Emily Lamb for the report. Thank you for that report. Questions? Commissioner Jami. Um, thank you for all that. Um, just one, one big request I have for you, because this happens that I hear people talk about this a lot. I, I know we are a member of a lot of different associations, and they all have a standing on different issues. And it happens often that we are neither impacted or nor ha some of those standings line up with the value system we have in San Francisco. And I think as a commissioner, I would love to see, I mean, I would love for our team to feel comfortable to sometimes say, no, we don't want to be following these oppositions. Because like even, even the program you just mentioned, the low income program, I mean, there was a lot of opposition from different associations on that. And you and I had this conversation before too. And you know, I don't think we were really interested in opposing it, but we are sort of like, wrapped into this group uh, group opposition. So anyway, just long way of going that saying that I, I totally think we should be comfortable enough to not put our name into every opposition letter, our core rights or other organizations' rights that, you know, just since we are very different in some sense. Yes, I, I definitely understand and agree with you. And I think we, really try to invest as much time as possible in the associations so that we can have our voice heard. Um, but as you said, we are one of many, um, but we are definitely not shy about letting them know um, and being active, um, and we will continue to try to do so, but I hear you. Thank you. And if you ever need our help to, you know, I know you don't need much of that, but if in case you need our help to kind of uh, blow some more force into that opposition or not being part of those oppositions. I think I would speak, uh, you know, on my own behalf, I'm happy to any time to help that. Okay, I you appreciate that. You can always that. blame us for that, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> or blame me. I appreciate that. Thank you for the offer. Any other comments on the good work that you are doing and the navigation that you must take um, to, um, be able to get behind so many different pieces of legislation and uh, policy positions that are needed. Um, and I will say, you know, you know, with the infrastructure law and with the Inflation Reduction Act, um, you know, those are pretty clear um, San Francisco value type, of obviously, um, legislation that we're so happy that it got passed. So um, that really is something we move on. Any other questions or comments uh, on this presentation? So thank you. Thank you for that summary and, uh, and for the report that's in the packet. So Great. let's open this up, I guess, to public comment, please, for item A, 5A. Do you have any members of the public present to provide comment on item 5A? Seeing none, public comment on item 5A is closed. Okay, um, next uh, item B, the results of the 2023 power revenue bond sale. Thank you. Thank you. Nikolai Sklarov will be presenting. 
Good afternoon, commissioners. Pleasure to see you again. You may recall at your September 20th meeting, you approved power revenue bonds, and we're here to provide you an update of the results of those. If I may have the slides, please. Hopefully each of you um, have seen the emails that have uh, been sent uh, citywide providing updates on uh, what we've accomplished with each of our bond sales. Uh, this will be a much abbreviated uh, presentation of the uh, specific results of the bond sale. But of course, uh, for members of the commission and the public, uh, full information about all of our bonds is available on the website shown on the slide. So after your uh, approval of the bonds on September 20th, we immediately issued the offering document uh, and our underwriters marketed the bonds to investors. And on September 27th, we priced the bonds and closed those bonds then in October, on October 12th. Um, we had a syndicate uh, that had been approved and of course we had the strong and stable ratings that we had obtained prior to your approval. We've shown you versions of this chart a, a number of times as we've come back with each bond sale. I think what may be notable here is uh, the changes from what you saw for the water bonds. Specifically, again, just to remind you, when we issue a 30-year bond, conceptually, we are issuing uh, up to 30 different maturities, each with their own interest rate. And in a normal environment, you would expect that a, a one-year bond would have a lower rate than a two-year bond, a three-year bond, and so forth. And if you look at the yellow dashed line, that has been the average of that yield curve uh, of rates over the last 10 years. That dark uh, line in the middle of the page is where rates were in just prior to the bond sale in, uh, in September. And those blue bars are showing you for each of those rates what has been the range of rates over the past year. So what you can see is that the rates uh, have, have been going up and had reached the, the uh, top of that 10-year period. Historically, though, you'll see that the rates are well below where they've been over the 30-year period. That range is, is marked by the red and green bonds. But you will see that the rates uh, have been higher uh, this fall than they were during the summer when we took advantage of uh, issuing the water bonds. Still, we had very strong participation in these bonds. As you know, the Power Enterprise uh, first issued bonds in 2015 and again in 2021. And this is only the third issuance of power revenue bonds. So there was a scarcity factor in marketing these bonds and we had very strong demand. And as you can see, the subscription for these bonds was 3.3 times the number of bonds available. And that's, that level of subscription allows us to then negotiate even lower interest rates during the pricing uh, process. The final results were that that blend of uh, rates all along the yield curve produced a true interest cost of 
4.56% uh, for the bonds. By comparison, and there are many factors that go into the pricing of the bonds, and we don't expect water bonds and power bonds to price the same, but just uh, at, by comparison, the water bonds, which were uh, in a more favorable market, were about a 4.10%. The bonds are marketed in the current environment to investors with a 5% coupon, but they are sold with a yield of the actual rate that's uh, in the marketplace. So, for example, if a one-year bond um, has a 1% uh, yield, but the coupon is 5%, the investors are paying us a premium. And that's why, although we issued 123.9 million of bonds, we were able to produce proceeds of $131 million. So, in other words, we were able to issue fewer bonds as a result of that uh, premium. All of these uh, bonds uh, were used to pay commercial paper that had been used to fund uh, power, con uh, power um, projects that you had previously approved in, uh, in the capital plan. As with all of our negotiated sales, we engage a pricing consultant in addition to our municipal advisors. Our municipal advisors were PFM financial advisors, but our uh, pricing consultant was Baxter McCarley Berry, and they issued the uh, independent report uh, to indicate that the, the price that we had obtained was uh, fair and reasonable given the marketplace. So this uh, chart simply gives you a depiction of what we accomplished in this. Uh, we defeased 117, 117.7 of commercial paper. And as you can see, the revenue bond program for power is relatively small compared to the billions you're used to seeing from wastewater and water. Um, that was a, a considerable increase in the outstanding bonds. The debt structure, um, and this is where the rubber meets the road in terms of impact on uh, rates. Uh, what we do is we structure the bonds at the front end to create a gradual increase um, and layer those in over the 30 years. Because it's been two years since our last power bonds, in those final two years, we have additional capacity, so we wrap the debt service around the existing debt service. That has the effect of lowering the overall debt service. It does have the uh, effect in terms of measuring the true interest cost of increasing the true interest cost because the true interest cost is also based on the weighted average life of the bond. So in other words, we've deferred uh, the repayment by wrapping around the existing debt service. Finally, uh, and I think you've seen this uh, chart before, but this is the final uh, debt issuance of this calendar year uh, for us, uh, but it uh, marks the end of the largest issuance year in the uh, PUC's history. Um, it's important to emphasize the reason so many bonds were issued is because we did a substantial amount of refinancing this year, um, as we discussed for both the wastewater and the water bonds. And it, as you notice with the um, 
darker, more vibrant colors. Those are our green bonds. And you'll also see that this has been the largest issuance of green bonds in our history. And we are scheduled um, at, at your request and at, at um, the general manager's uh, uh, request to come back on uh, November 28th for a presentation on green bonds. And we'll look forward to returning for that. And with that, happy to answer any questions. Great. Thank you for that summary. Um, Commissioner Ajami. Hold on. There you go. A <laughs> um, couple questions. On that last slide that you had, I don't know if somebody can pull that up. Um, so uh, we did reissue some of these bonds. So I'm assuming some of those bars that we see in the previous years have been brought back into this uh, the last column that we see or last bar that we see, is that correct? That's correct. Um, okay. In other words, we've, we've previously issued bonds and we refinance them. Right. So in terms of how much we issue into the marketplace, um, it's uh, accumulative, but the net impact is, is less. It's not as much, right. But, but the, the figure that you have here, every bar does represent what we had done in those years. Yes. However, some of that has been reissued. Right. Those are the invest the the bonds that we had to find investors for in that year. Yeah, got it. And then I was just wondering on the power bar, um, uh, on the last bar, the 2023, the power, you know, obviously the power sector has a lot of opportunities to be like it's easier to fit power solutions into green solutions, right? So I'm wondering why those bonds ended up being non-green. Yes, uh, Commissioner, at, at our last uh, meeting in September. Uh, we did recommend to the commission that nothing about these bonds is any less green than in prior years. Um, the history of the PUC's uh, green bond program, I don't want to give the, the full November 28th presentation to you now, but very quickly, uh, the history is that the power enterprise was the first issue in 2015. And at that time, it was typical for issuers to self-certify. In other words, we determined that they were green bonds. As we move forward with water and wastewater, we look to external certification. In fact, um, I, I think it's fair to say that the SFPUC has been using the platinum standard for certification of its green bonds with a climate bonds initiative certification and a verification by Sustainalytics. Um, the landscape has changed considerably. Um, notably, the SEC's Office of Municipal Securities has been talking a lot about uh, green bonds and the SEC generally has been talking a lot about greenwashing. Okay. Um, the recommendation was this self-certification represents um, more potential risks to us, and we are going uh, forward with an RFP process to engage the marketplace, not because we're dissatisfied with any of the verifiers we have now, but because we do have one enterprise that is self-certified uh, today. But there are many new players. It's a very rapidly evolving marketplace, and we think there's an opportunity to refresh and make sure that we are remaining at the forefront of best practices. Fantastic. Thank you.
Thank you. Any other um, questions for Mr. Skarloff? That being said, um, I guess we will open it to public comment. Thank you very much for your you, presentation. Looking forward to um, seeing you in two weeks. Thanks. Do you have any members of the public present to provide comment on item 5B? Seeing none, public comment on 5B is closed. Thank you, Madam Secretary. That concludes my report. Okay. Um, are there, so there are no items, item C. Okay, so um, can we have the next item, please? Yes, your next item is item number six, the consent calendar. Okay. Um, are there any items that the commissioners would like to remove from the consent calendar for any particular reasons? Yes. Uh, we have a question. Yeah. I don't want to right. do that. I, yeah. I, I, yeah, okay. Item C, we will pull for questions. And item D, please. And um, item D? D and E. Right, and I had not, a, not pulling, just ask. Well, we have clarifying questions. Right, and I had that too for item E. So we have C, D, and E, which I think we're just going to have questions on that we're going to pull. Um, so I think we can. Um, so do we need to open public comment for all those that we have not um, pulled? Okay, so we no. can um, continue. Can we make a motion then to? I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead and have your, your conversation and then we can okay. vote. Okay, so let's have, let's have the conversation then. So let's um, talk about item C, uh, Commissioner Maxwell. Oh, are we going to hear a, oh, I guess we won't hear a question. No, because it's consent. My, my question. This is a consent calendar, so you had a question on C. My uh, question. Ma Commissioner Maxwell, I'm sorry, can you speak into the mic? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, my question is um, why now um, are we having this extension? Let me see, what is my question here? Um, yeah, I guess why are we, why are we, um, why are we doing this now? Good afternoon, commissioners. I'm Rosanna Russell, Real Estate Services. Um, we are extending the um, contract to um, support existing work, and we're doing it, it, you know, in the increment that we think it will take to accomplish the existing work. Okay, um, so we're extending it because we have more work than we thought, because? So we, this contract has specialty work to support the mission of real estate services. We have appraisers, we have economic consultants, um, and we have surveyors from time to time. So there are ongoing projects. These surveyors and appraisers support, um, the appraisers calculate rent um, and the surveyors support projects that our, survey, our current surveying team cannot do, usually to support sometimes a project or if we have a dispute with an adjoining landowner over a boundary, um, we send this out. And then the, the, the prime does all sorts of economic analysis for us. And right now, it's in the middle of preparing a refreshment of the economic model by which we do internal staff rental appraisals for small bits of property. Any other questions on item C? Okay, seeing none, let's go to item D, uh, Commissioner Ajami. 
You had questions on D. So, thank you. Um, question for you. So, you know, this is quite known that I'm always like trying to figure out how much of this work can be done internally versus like, you know, contracting it out. Mm -hmm. So, and this sounded to me like skill sets that can be very valuable to individuals within our own organization. Mm -hmm. Why can we train people to do these things rather than just paying somebody else to come in and do it? So I'm just wondering what is the justification and, um, is, yeah. Yes, uh, we realize that and project management is a skill set we can develop in-house as well. And we have been doing the training for project managers and recruiting the project manager. But um, we also see, because the project lifecycle is something like uh, planning and then ramp up very quick mm -hmm. and then also return uh, back to normal. So our uh, staff resources actually plan to optimize it, uh, the uh, usage of our in-house resources. So we don't want to plan for the, the peak demand. So once it peaked over, then we have to lay off people. That's not good. So what we have been doing is we build our core team to support project management, and we have the skill set. But during some peak time, we do need the resources to cover the work. So we can use the consultant as a temporary stopgap to fill that gap. And after it's done, we return to normal having our project manager to do the work. Does it answer your question? Yes, it absolutely does. Just, mm -hmm. just again on that topic, um, maybe while we are working with these external consultants, it would be good to also, you know, uh, create more cross pollination. Then our staff can uh, engage with them more actively. I'm assuming that's what's happening, but just like in general, and then. Um, and then also any tool that's developed as part of that process, I would love for us to have an access or ownership of that. Um, mm -hmm. I know I know some of the project management tools are sort of quite, you know, uh, homogenized and used across the board, but just in case. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. All right. Great. And thank you. Um, any other questions on um, item D? Okay, um, item C, um, I had pulled that, but um, you had also, Commissioner Ajami, you wanna start, please? E, right? Item E, correct. Um, I don't Alameda. know who's like, are, are you on E? Okay. Yeah. Um, so, it's, I just wanna acknowledge, we have like 40% increase in budget, and I do realize as we are talking about items, there was a lot of brand new things that have been added along the way, and some COVID-related, um, uh, delays, um, but I'm just wondering, is this going to be end of this, but, or we are expecting to see, um, I mean, the, in the past two years, we have gone through this couple of times and have increased the budget significantly. Yes, thank you. Uh, Commissioner Jamie and Commissioner Paulson, I know you had some questions in this too, it sounded I, like as well. I think she has summarized uh, what you are going to hopefully I follow up with. I was wondering if it was similar kind of themes. Yes. Um, uh, yes, there has been increases on the contract already, um, and this we hope, it's always dangerous to say this will be the last, but now we're much further along in the project, there's much greater confidence in getting it to completion and the risk is a lot lower. Um, the project is at, you know, in the high 90s or in the 90s percent completion at this stage. 
Um, to the extent that public art has even been completed, we reported that out in the last quarterly report. So we're at that part of the project, working with the, the punch list items, the items that are yet to, to be completed. Um, but you mentioned there have been some changes. Uh, we highlighted those in the staff report, um, that there have been some additions to the exhibits during the process. That has primarily, I think, been the delay in getting to this point. Um, those exhibits are in fabrication phase. They've been visited by the team while they're in fabrication, so we're getting ready to install those in the new year. Um, but there was a settlement challenge on the site as well. That was the second item that was noted. That was an unforeseen condition during uh, the winter storms that caused some damage, especially with some utilities. And then the primary reason for the budget increase here is around the maintenance contract. So we did note in the staff report there was a, an error or mistake around what was included in the contract but not allocated in the schedule. So we needed to correct that and then add these funds in as we negotiate and considered PUC's own ability to maintain a beautiful, wonderful asset like this and do it well, um, and then make sure that we can hand it over in the long term. Thank you. I just, maybe a little bit going off script, but I just came back from Denmark as part of a um, high-level water policy delegation who visited like a bunch of projects in Denmark. and. Um, and I keep asking them about contracting and projects and pricing and all that. And um, you know, one of the things that came up in these conversations was that they they do have they have a very specific performance-based um, contracting, uh, which you know, which is not an uncommon thing. But sort of like if so, if a project finishes on time, you know, there is a benefit to both parties. If it goes over, then they share the cost half and half. And I think, you know, I do realize every project can have, you know, little problems here and there. But I think thinking about how we keep, um, you know, contractors that we work with accountable is an important part of this process. And I think just not about this project, but generally trying to kind of keep that in, the pro in mind or create a system for that, that would be, I think, very useful to us as a, you know, public entity. Yeah, thank you. The idea of contractor incentives or pain share, gain yep. share arrangements yeah. are common in some places, not for us in San Francisco, but that said, we have now started to be creative with that. Right. Uh, one recent example was on some of the emergency work we did on the roads up in Hetchy after those big winter storms, and we added incentives to the contract, and it seemed to be very successful. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously a little different, a little new. We want to be careful about how we do that, um, but yes, it's, it's something we're, we're considering. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, without getting into any of the ideas of incentives or not incentives, I, you did answer the questions I had that there are, this has been a complicated project and just adding to it has been, you know, when I saw it as, as my fellow commissioner did, I just thought it would be helpful to get an update on some of the details as to what's happening with this uh, important but at sometimes difficult project. So thank you for that. Are there any other questions on item E from the commissioners? Okay, that being said, um, I think, um, are there any other questions at all? Uh, and if not, I guess we will go to public comment on the consent um, calendar. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on item six, the consent calendar? Seeing none, public comment on item six is closed. Okay, so is there a motion and second to approve the consent calendar? Moved. I'll move to approve. Oh, I'll second. second. <laughs> so there's a motion and a second um, that came in an echo. Um, um, so that um, can hand. So can we have the roll call, please? President Paulson? Aye. Vice President Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Ajami? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? 
Aye. Five ayes. Okay. So that was everything on the consent. So um, I guess we are, um, I, what is the next item, please? Uh, we have item eight, which is communications and information only item. No, we skipped item seven. Oh, wait. Item seven. Oh, it's just item seven. Yes. <laughs> item seven. Authorize a settlement of claims for damages caused by the refusal of Pacific Gas and Electric to provide the, the SFPUC secondary voltage service under PG&E's wholesale distribution tariff for some 30, watt, 30 megawatts of city load. Thank you. Barbara Hale, Assistant uh, General Manager for Power. I'm here to request authority to enter into the settlement that uh, the Commission Secretary just summarized. But first, let me provide some context. Uh, this, I'll, the context I'll provide will address the service, the services that we purchased from PG&E, a reminder of the various disputes that arise from that service provision, and the related litigation efforts that are underway, um, as well as the settlement that we operate under for electric service to certain affordable housing developments. Then I'll get into the particulars of the settlement recommendation before you. Uh, so first off, the services we purchased from PG&E. You know that our Hetch Hetchy Power um, Retail Electric Service Program average, averages about a million megawatt hours uh, in annual sales to serve our about 6,000 customer accounts. Most of our customers are connected to the PG&E owned distribution grid, and we pay PG&E about $35 million a year for that service. The costs for that service are part of our operating costs, our Hetch Hetchy Power costs. They're recovered from Hetch Hetchy Power electricity customers in the rates you set, and they're billed monthly by our PUC Customer um, Service Bureau. The $35 million a year that we pay PG&E is based on a tariff with rates and terms that are proposed by PG&E and approved by the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. The terms of service form, basically form our rights to access the service. Um, they are, for PG&E, really the, the rules that other utilities like us have to abide by to connect our customers. It's PG&E's implementation of the terms of service that create the disagreements, the disputes between PG&E and, and ourselves, um, and, and frankly, the customers that we serve through the Hetch Hetchy Power Program. So now on to various disputes. Working with the city attorney, we filed a complaint in early 2019 with the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission challenging PG&E's implementation. Specifically, in practice, um, they refused to provide secondary voltage service to city customers with electric loads exceeding 75 kilowatts. That's a very small threshold. PG&E requires these small customers to take primary voltage service primary voltage service would be appropriate for a customer like San Francisco General Hospital. They impose um, large expensive electrical equipment costs, they cause delays for service connections, and in some cases uh, they make Hetchy service infeasible. So we filed a complaint. The complaint demonstrated there was no technical justification nor any safety or reliability need for primary voltage service. It showed that PG&E did not apply these same requirements to other customers, and it alleged PG&E's practices were anti-competitive and unlawfully discriminated against the city. You know that we report to you and the Board of Supervisors on the status of our efforts to connect Hetchy customers to the PG&E owned grid. We do that on a quarterly basis. Our last report 
was in August of 2023, and it showed 42 active projects that are currently facing connection delays, increased cost to, uh, to the projects because of PG&E. Uh, for more than 30 projects, um, 30 other product projects, that we found that it was un infeasible to meet the um, unreasonable requirements that PG&E imposed. So those customers are signed up or are in the process of signing up for electric service from PG&E, and they won't be Hetch Hetchy Power customers. The total cost impacts for these 72 projects from the August report was approximately 13 million and counting. For projects that ended up as PG&E customers, those cost increases um, will continue. That's because they will pay the higher PG&E charges as long as they're connected. On average, our customers pay rates that are about 30% lower than PG&E rates. There's also the financial harm um, to the city from the fact that um, the higher costs that they're paying are you know, eating into the operating costs for those departments, taking away from their core services. And for us, it means a loss in revenue when they become pg and &E customers instead of Hetchy customers. And when I say city projects, I should be, I should be clear who I'm talking about is being impacted. I'm talking about affordable housing, campuses like, um, Hetch, Hetch, like the um, Hope SF projects. I'm also talking about individual buildings like the 138 units that are um, under construction, almost connected, I think, at, in, on San Jose Avenue. I'm talking about stormwater pumping stations, recycled water irrigation systems like the one on Sunset Boulevard, health clinics like the new one on Onondaga uh, Avenue and the Chinatown Public Health Center, elementary schools like Bret Hart's going through a, an issue right now, recreation facilities in Golden Gate Park and, in, and the neighborhood centers too like Gene Friend. The city's also litigating at the Federal Commission issues that are related to PG&E's most recent tariff filing. Um, those include, again, these voltage service levels, the rate design and formula um, requirements and costs that are passed on to us for upgrades to PG&E's system, treatment of unmetered load like our streetlights and traffic signals, the imposition of non-bypassable charges on us, and establishing and holding PG&E accountable to reasonable engineering and design timelines, which can also be very impactful to projects getting getting um, connected and getting city services back underway. Uh, we also have an affordable housing agreement. Um, so we have been successful in negotiating for reasonable connection terms with, with PG&E for certain types of affordable housing. And for these projects, PG&E has agreed to connect affordable housing where the project is 100% affordable, so no, no mixed. The, the projects are located on city land and the PUC commits to charge the Hetch Hetchy Power customers there our low income rate, which would be our standard practice. That agreement expires in 2011. So now the new agreement that's before you. This new settlement would allow us to connect a total of 30 megawatts of metered customers at secondary voltage when they are existing Hetchy customers served at secondary that expand or otherwise change their electric service, when they are city departments and related public entities, that's like schools and, and um, uh, the, the community college, um, and they are private entities on city property, but this category 
is limited to uh, five megawatts within that 30 megawatt total. The settlement that's before you would last for five years. In exchange, the city would permanently dismiss our 2019 complaint and waive any claims for monetary damages. We recommend this settlement because it will resolve that complaint. It will provide certainty, some certainty for us and some of our customers on the rules for connecting to the PG&E owned grid for five years. And it avoids continued PG&E disputes, delays and costs for that subset of customers. So with that, I ask for your support of the settlement and uh, the authorization to take it to the board for approval. I'm available to answer any of your questions, but if you have questions that require uh, legal counsel, we, I, I do note that we have noticed a closed session and we can take those up there. Thank you. So th thank you um, mm -hmm. for summarizing that piece. And I know that there will be um, commissioners are lining up to either ask questions or comment. Um, before I do that, I would like to say that, um, you know, the context that both that I think all of us have read as well as your presentation, um, you know, puts things in a pretty outrageous uh, position for us. And it's uh, I think that uh, PG&E putting us in this position, I, I think, is is, you know, just really just disrespectful to, you know, so much of what is happening in San Francisco. So um, it's with, you know, mixed feelings that we have this on the agenda now to uh, deliberate as commissioners. So in that context, um, First Commissioner, uh, Commissioner Stacy, please. Uh, thank you. I really just have a procedural question because this is also on our closed session as mm -hmm. item 14. Yeah. So if we approve this matter now and we don't have questions for legal counsel, then we would take item 14 off the calendar. Is that mm -hmm. the procedure? But if we have questions now that ought to be addressed in closed session, then do we just put item seven at the end of the calendar and vote on it after the closed session? Is that, yes. is that how that will work? Okay. Yes, but I'm happy to take any questions. I mean, this is, this is a matter of interest to the public. Yes. Um, so if there are questions mm -hmm. that I can answer in the public, I'm happy to do that. I recognize that there may be some that require legal counsel, and that would be appropriate for closed. Okay, thank you. So, Commissioner Stacy, is that, I, is that clear? Um, yes, thank you. I, I just wanted to make sure I <laughs> understood the process. Great. And I, I did uh, read all of the agenda items and had some questions answered by um, staff ahead of time. So I don't think I have any further questions now, but thank you. On specifics, okay, Commissioner Ajami. Thank you. So, um, thanks for that clarification. I, you know, I have a little bit of a. Um, so, I was very surprised by FERC's response to a lot of the uh, questions and comments and issues that we had raised. So, mm -hmm. it made me wonder, like, because you know, as a layperson, this seemed to quite clear and. You know, it wasn't that complicated. It was very straightforward. So I'm wondering, I mean, I'm not sure this is a public discussion issue or not, but why, I mean, is this something that we should be concerned of? Just, I mean, why would FERC, as a federal body that's supposed to provide a fair assessment of the situation, take a side, take a, take a side that should not be taking, or at least not, um, providing a, you know, a fair statement mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. the situation. It's certainly been an ongoing frustration that we have as staff bringing these issues uh, together with city attorney to FERC. Right. Um, it's, you know, the only way we can avoid those issues is to be the owners of the grid. 
Yeah, and then sure. we avoid having to do the mother may I at FERC um, when, when we have disagreements with PG&E. Um, I would also point out that FERC, uh, one of the decisions we took on appeal, right. and FERC was, it was remanded back by the courts, and they were, they were pretty much scolded and told, you got it wrong, go back. Um, so on that note, but, but, but in, in saying that that's a lengthy process, yeah. right? Um, and meanwhile, we have city departments right. and other customers who need to make improvements at their facilities, yeah. you know, and yeah. we need, we need to do our business. So it's, it's not, it's not an ideal scenario having to do the trip to, to Washington and request FERC to intervene and then yeah, the courts to slap them. On that note, um, is there a way we can, I mean, I don't, I mean, I know we want to settle and move forward and I, I feel like that's five, not a given, but sure. But, and we only have five years, right? Correct. So my question is, is it more strategic to think about this longer than five years mm -hmm. or should we think about putting a, you know, I don't know, an, um, an amendment in there that says, you know, we will recruit our cost of, you know, uh, legal cost if this repeats itself. I mean, th there was a lot, not beyond just the, you know, we spend a lot of staff time, mm -hmm. lots of legal cost was associated with this, right? It's, it, it didn't come for free. Um, so I'm wondering if there needs to be something put in there to guarantee that they do not play this game with us again five years from now. Well, I think the, the concern you're expressing about um, um, you know, how this could happen again, and that, that, for me, that's part of the reason why we go with a shorter term. Uh -huh. uh, and and it allows us to be more comfortable with the cap that PG&E is wanting to impose on us, Okay. right? Uh, so there is this dynamic where if we had a longer term, we would need a higher cap. Sure. And so that's, you can imagine that that's part of what PG&E and the city are, you know, arguing about, discussing as, sure. as we come to a settlement like this. Um, the the um, farther out you go, the less comfortable you are with forecasts, including what the forecast of a cap should be. Okay. Um, now, helping us mitigate that um, concern is the fact that we do have the affordable housing <laughs> agreement. So there's that whole category um, of load that we can serve outside the cap. That doesn't expire until 2031, so we have, the, we have some running room there. Um, and over this five to 10 year period, we're gonna continue to make progress on the acquisition. Uh, so that's another mitigating factor um, and, and can help us in um, helping a, um, get a more responsive PG&E when issues do come up. And, and you feel the settlement that's right in front of us is the best we could have gotten out of this process or, um, or you know, we could have asked for more? Or, I mean, it's always like yeah, an optimization think, game, right? So like, right. How do you, where's the optimal point? Right, and, and yes, I'm standing before you recommending it because I think this is the best we can get. Okay, thank you. Commissioner Welcome. Rivera. Uh, thank you, President. Um, I just wanted to make a comment and um, uh, kind of underscore something that you said. Um, when I managed uh, the capital improvements uh, for SF Fire, we had 
massive delays. It, um, this process uh, is abs was, hopefully with the settlement, will no longer be absolutely frustrating and impactful on departments' um, uh, budgets. And um, it, it was just, I, I can't even go into the chain reaction when you're you know, displacing firehouses, emergency services, affordable mm -hmm. housing. It is absolutely frustrating. Reading that we're having a settlement, I'm so happy for our city departments that don't have to go through this because it was, mm -hmm. it was terrible. Absolutely yeah, and, the, terrible. and you're speaking to the certainty that yeah. a settlement provides, right. and it really does. You know, not only does it unburden us of some of the litigation that you were and the, the associated costs that you were mentioning, Commissioner Ajami, but. You know, Commissioner Rivera, you're highlighting what it means on the customer end as well for the city and the budget and, and all that. So, yeah. Commissioner Maxwell. Thank you, and congratulations. Uh, I know it's rough, but at least we got there to some degree. But could you give me an example of how it is and how it will be? Yeah, so today with our customers who who we believe have a right to secondary service. And secondary, I'm, I'm I want to do this for the audience, people who might be listening. Yes. So secondary service is what? Yeah, so secondary service is the ability to connect to the PG&E grid at a secondary voltage level with less equipment purchases that are needed that are referred to as intervening facilities. So if you're, um, for example, the Gene Friend um, Rec Center, uh, and you want to make some improvements at your property. Uh, today, without the settlement, PG&E was requiring that uh, Gene Friend set aside space uh, for primary voltage equipment. Uh, that's about the size of a parking space. Um, a little bit bigger, but just to give you a frame. Okay. Um, uh, so that's carving out space that they cannot use for their core function. Um, it has to be accessible to the street, so they have to redesign what they thought they were going to do with their facility. Um, and then they have to buy this e equipment, have it reviewed by PG&E, um, and, and uh, increase the cost of their construction. And this um, equipment is what, in the hundreds of thousands? Or? Yep, 500,000 is the standard uh, for the equipment. Uh, what we see now, with a, uh, if the settlement is approved by yourselves and our board, is um, connection at, at secondary service voltage, uh, avoiding all of that equipment, uh, being able to connect just like uh, other customers on PG&E's grid. You avoid that $500,000, and you do not have to take away space from your core services for the equipment. The process is also expected to go much more quickly. So you save on time. Great, thank you. Welcome. Great, thank you for that question and that uh, il illustration. Mm -hmm. um, are there any more uh, comments from the commissioners right now? Um, if not, I have a question, and this goes to what uh, Commissioner Stacy had brought in. I know I was a little bit confused prior to this meeting whether or not we were going to be going to closed session or whether or not we were going to do this. I have absolutely no uh, problem personally, and as I'd 
would guess all the other commissioners that we are talking about this as transparently as we can because this is a, uh, an outrageous situation that we're having to make difficult decisions on. But if the, if the general counsel could answer this, because this is where the question was going, is there need for this to go to closed session um, anymore? Is, are we missing anything in terms of, in terms of questions that we, can, that we have not asked for right now? The, the answer is no. Okay, that being said, um, uh, thank you. Um, and, and thank you, commissioners, for you know, asking these very instructive questions you know, for a difficult situation um, with, this, with this vendor. Um, so is there an entertainment um, to make a motion for the, uh, to uh, accept this settlement? Yeah, we need to public comment. Oh yes, I'm sorry. Public comment, of course. Do we have any members of the public present to provide a comment on item number seven? Seeing none, public comment on item number seven is closed. Okay. Um, that being said, I will repeat. I felt like we were sort of the public comment as commissioners ourselves during the course of this. But that being said, is there a motion um, to for and a second to approve this uh, settlement? I'll move. Second. I hear a motion and a second. Can we have the roll call, please? President, Jami, or President Paulson? Aye. Vice President Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Jami? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have five ayes. Okay, this uh, difficult settlement uh, passes so that we can do some, uh, actually do some business here in San Francisco. Thank you. Okay, so um, w could you um, talk about the next item, please? And item eight is uh, communications for information only. Okay, um, information only on the communications. Are there any um, communication items that any of the commissioners want to um, discuss? Okay, um, next item, please. Item nine is items initiated by commissioners. Commissioners, is there um, anything that you would like to uh, put on the agenda or discuss uh, for the future, please. Seeing none, um, Commissioner Maxwell. Yeah, I don't really know how to say this, so hopefully we'll figure it out. But um, I was wondering if there was a way to look at our contracting out and how many people we are down and in what departments. Like we're down over 600 people. And some departments, it's quite a few people. How does that, or does it relate to um, having to contract out um, our work? Does that make, does that kind of? Well, that, as commissioner, if I could, um, I understand your, your question. And it, it's putting together a correlation of something. I don't know where it's at. So I don't know, maybe if somebody in the department can ask that. It's like. You're, you're, well, they need to you're, you're comparing the fact that you know we're still trying to hire more people as many departments are, but we're also contracting out. And is there any connection between the two? Is that what you're sort of inferring? Yeah, we're 600 people down, and in some departments, it's I think over 50, 60 people down. How does that relate to contracting out? And if it does at all, I, I just. Uh, it's just something I, I wonder about every time because when we look at our budgets, they say cost savings, salary savings. Is it really? Are we really saving salaries? Are we, we might be saving, saving salaries, but we're spending money 
in other ways. So that's that's kind of my my uh, my question. So I don't know if there's somebody that can ask that. I, well, not I, I now, know that but as I, a, as a, I, I mean, I don't expect an answer now. I don't want to answer now. I want them to go back and think about it. And if it's if it's a question that it doesn't relate, then let me know. So, general manager, is yeah, there something? Absolutely. That, yeah, absolutely. We've had a number of um, conversations, as Commissioner Jami knows. We're briefing her on some contracting issues, but we're happy to, to talk to you about that. And um, I think what you'll find is there's not um, as much of a correlation as you might think, but I want to make sure we give you all the information that you that yeah, you need. That's okay. good. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. We can. We can. We'll put, we'll put something together for you. Good. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Uh, both of you. Any anything else? I, I'll just add Commissioner one other Jump. thing. Um, so. <laughs> So a lot of you know that I keep, and uh, General Manager Herrera knows this because he heard me saying this yesterday, um, no, I have this obsession with mapping your assets. And uh, in that trip I was in Denmark, um, I was uh, able to see how they have mapped all their infrastructure and they are like overlaying them to decide about how to move things, how to put things, how, where to. And I was just like blown away by the pro like they basically decided to do this and they did it. So, and then I was sitting there thinking, you know, they're, they're not a brand new country. Um, the city of Copenhagen was not created yesterday. Um, so they're older than us and they have been able to do this. And I asked them, I'm like, how did you do it? We constantly hear it's very difficult. It's just, they're like, oh, we used a lot of different technologies. We tried to kind of like figure out, we piecemeal this, but then at the end we had, this system going. I, I don't know how to ask this, who to ask this, how to figure this out, but we really do need to do this in this city. And it is kind of like embarrassing that we live in the middle of all sort of technologies, right? We are a land of technology here. Everybody comes here to learn. And I could not tell anyone there that, oh, we have a map of our, all our assets in San Francisco. So, um, I, you know, somehow we need to do this. Um, I am happy to help if we need to kind of bring people in to have this conversation, if this needs to go to the level at mayor's office to kind of have a, a conversation. But I think it's beneficial to us as a utility. Um, but I think we should do this. I think it's, it is an important effort and it can be very useful to us. Thank you. Are there any other um, ideas or initiations of um, discussion by any more commissioners? Okay, if not, um, I guess we will, what is the next item? Uh, we need public comment on this item. Um, so I guess we need public comment on the uh, right. two items that have been brought up by the commissioners. Thank you. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on item number nine? Seeing none, public comment on item nine is closed. Okay, and read the next item, please, Madam Secretary. Uh, the matters, uh, I'll read the matters to be heard during closed session prior to opening up public comment on closed session. Um, public comment uh, on item number 12, conference with legal counsel, Walt 
Walt Sheps versus City and County of San Francisco proposed settlement of unlitigated claim for damage to property resulting from a ruptured water main with the City and County of San Francisco to pay Walt Sheps $36,837.93 in exchange for a full and final release subject to final approval by the Board of Supervisors. Item number 13, undetermined claimants versus the City and County of San Francisco. Date of incident, September 11, 2023. Proposed recommendation to the Board of Supervisors to, go, to delegate to the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission and the City Attorney the authority to settle certain claims arising out of the September 11, 2023 water main break at Fillmore and Green Streets. And per the Commission discussion, item number 14 will not be heard and pulled from the closed session calendar. Do we have any members of the public present to provide comment on item number 10? Seeing none, public comment on closed session items 12 and 13 is closed. Okay, so um, we will, is there, we will go into closed session. So is there a motion to assert the uh, attorney client privilege regarding those matters just read? So moved. Second. Okay, roll call. Motion second. President Paulson? Aye. Vice President Rivera? Aye. Commissioner Maxwell? Aye. Commissioner Ajami? Aye. Commissioner Stacy? Aye. You have five ayes. Okay. We will go into closed session. Thank you. Please stay tuned. TV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
Okay, um, we are back in session. Um, the commission is not, uh, is recommending that the board approve the settlements in item 12 and 13 and item 14 um, as motion was not uh, discussed. So is there a motion um, as to whether or not to disclose? President Paulson, yes. just to clarify, item 14, or item 14 was pulled from the calendar. There was, isn't that, that was I, not discussed. Isn't that what I said? It was not discussed. Okay, thank you for clarification. So is there a motion um, regarding whether or not to disclose a discussion? Move not to disclose our discussion. Second. Roll call, please. President Paulson. Aye. Vice President Rivera. Aye. Commissioner Jami. Aye. Commissioner Maxwell. Commissioner Stacy, aye. You have five ayes. Right. And we have no other scheduled business, so the meeting is adjourned. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you.